the Lord. You guys ready for the word this morning? Yes. This is the year of elevation. Doctor had a word for us at the beginning of this year, and it was, this is your year of elevation. The year of elevation. Praise the Lord. And he went through uh, the story of Joseph and the how Joseph elevated in just one moment's time, but there wasn't, it wasn't just uh, that moment. He had, he had so, and he had stayed uh, committed, faithful to the things of God, and he wouldn't allow himself to, to stray off that course. And because of that, he was entrusted, and God could trust him in great things. And so he was elevated, and God brought him into great places because of that. And so this morning, because sometimes we can get halfway through our year, or a you know, certain uh, amount of time passes, and we forget what we're supposed to be focused on if we, if we don't, if we're not intentional about it. And so I just want to bring that back before us this morning to remember the word of the Lord that is it's time for elevation it's time for elevation and I'm going to be bringing a, a word this morning from the um, book of Ezekiel so if you will turn to me turn to me not turn to me turn to the word uh, in the book of Ezekiel chapter 37 And while you're turning there, let's just go ahead and uh, pray over the word this morning. Father, we thank you so much for just your purpose, your vision, your understanding, your revelation, and your wisdom. Father, we pray that our eyes would be open this morning to your vision, to, to what you would have for us. I pray that those that, that may not have had your vision implanted or imparted in them, I pray that you would do that this morning, that you would impart that in them, Lord, that you would take off the scales, off of eyes this morning to be able to see what you see. Lord, the purposes, the plan that you have for them the future Lord that what you have called them to the hope that you have called them to that it will be easily seen in faith this morning in Jesus name we pray amen amen you know before we read that passage of scripture media team can you put up um, uh, Psalms 139 and start with verse 13 because I'm going to read that here in just a moment um, but one of, the one, one of the things that God does with us and in his word and shows us even from the very beginning, from the book of Genesis, he lays out creation. He tells us what he, he did, how he created everything, the earth and all of its fullness. And then he puts man in the garden of Eden. But the first thing that he does is give him purpose. He gives him purpose and vision. And, you know, throughout the word of God, God is always taking people's lives and giving them purpose, make, giving them a plan, something that they're moving towards to do what? To plant the kingdom of God on this earth, to expand the kingdom of God. And that was really his purpose in the very beginning when he said to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish, and to subdue. He gave him four commands, four things to do, even from day one. And so we can see very easily through scripture, as you read through scripture, you can see that stagnation is part of the curse of the enemy. 
stagnation and not advancing, not moving forward is part of the curse of the enemy. And he will work to try to keep your life in a place of stagnation. He'll work to try to keep your life in a place where it's not moving forward. In fact, hopelessness, despair, desperation, depression, oppression, all of those things are of the enemy so that you lose hope in what God has put before you. And really, that's what the enemy, when it says that he has come to steal, kill, and destroy, that's what he's doing. He tries to steal, your, steal the dreams that God has put in you. Try to steal the hope. Try to steal the life out of you so that you will lose hope and give up and just remain. But God he said that he has given us life and life more abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So I'm here to remind you this morning that Jesus came to give us life, to give us life more abundantly, to bring us a hope and a future. And in fact, this morning, even in this scripture, I want to I read this because... It's interesting, many times we're running around trying to find our own plans, trying to figure out our own way, but God actually says that he wrote about your days before you were ever born. So let's read this this morning, Psalms 139, starting at, at verse 13. It says, for you formed me, sorry, for you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. Get that. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. Still before you were formed, what happened? And in your book, whose book? God's book. They were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. <laughs> yet when there were none of them, when there was nothing there, God wrote about all of your days in his book. And so many times we, we can become a, a frustrated people when we're trying to run around figuring out our own plans, going after our own dreams without consulting our maker and the author of who created you. That's why we've got to go to him. God, what am I created to do? What did you create me to do here on this earth? What is my purpose? What are the plans that you have for me? What was written about me in your book? And when we begin to fulfill the things of God in our life, then we have fulfillment in ourselves. We find that fulfillment because he gives us that because we're working out his plan in our life. And so that's why I start with the basic fundamental of stagnation is of the enemy. He works to keep you stagnant. But God has a plan for you. And it's a plan that is already written out about you. But we've got to consult the person. Just like if you would buy something and you, and you look at, the, you look at the, um, the instructions, right? We all look at the instructions, and, and we look to find out what is this for, how does it work, what are all these buttons for, how do you put this together, why? Because the author of that thing that's manufactured knows how it works. 
They created it. They know every part. They know what each piece is for. And we might take this, this, and this piece, and that's not important. I don't know. These are extras. I don't know how I ended up with these. They must have packaged extras in case I lost something, right? And then we put it together, and something's not quite right. Something's not working quite right. Or it's a little lopsided. Oh, that screw was really important. It was actually there to keep something attached. And so in our lives, if we don't consult the author of our life, if we don't consult the one that made us and formed us, then we can get lopsided. And then we're malfunctioning or we're not understanding our purpose correctly. And so we've got to go back to the author. And this morning, I want to talk this morning about fulfilling your purpose through, by prophesying by prophesying the vision that God has given you. And that's why I say it has to come from God. Otherwise, for it, we'll, we'll run around trying to complete ourselves in, in the world, in other things, in our own thoughts, our own ideas, and we won't fulfill the purpose that God has for us. So in Ezekiel, I want to I go through a few of these uh, verses because it's interesting that God chose Ezekiel and he says, he's telling Ezekiel how to prophesy something to come to pass. And even in this moment, Ezekiel is a prophet, but Israel has hit a very desperate time. Israel has actually come to a place where they've been uprooted out of their land and taken into captivity into Babylon. So their future doesn't look good. Many of them have lost hope. They've, they don't even know if, if Israel will ever come back into a nation again. But God wants to give them a hope. And God wants to give them uh, a faith in what is to come. And so he tells Ezekiel what to do about it. So let's, let's read through this piece by piece. Chapter 37, verse 1. says, The hand of the Lord was upon me. And he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. Now, let's go through this. The hand of the Lord was upon me. Now, it's interesting because the hand of the Lord was upon Ezekiel because the Holy Spirit did not yet dwell within people. God had not yet sent Jesus Christ in flesh. His blood had not yet been shed as the perfect lamb of God. So the veil in the temple had not yet been torn. So man could not house the Holy Spirit because they were full of sin. They, their, their, their sins were not uh, washed away by the blood of the lamb yet. And so when this happened, when Jesus Christ comes and sheds his blood and, and covers our sin, well, then we can become the temple of the Holy Spirit. There's no sin, just as we sung this morning. There's nothing that separates us from the love of God. There's no sin that separates us. Why? Because Jesus Christ washed it. Because his blood covers and washes away that sin. And so now it says that we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. No longer housed in temples and buildings, but in man himself. And so when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells in you. 
And so his spirit can commune commune with your spirit. His spirit will lead you, guide you. That's why it says he's a comforter, a guide, a teacher, an advocate. He will lead you into places of peace. He will lead you along the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And so the Holy Spirit lives in us. It's not the hand of God that comes upon us. He lives in us. And so we have a benefit that Ezekiel didn't have. Because the hand of God would come upon them for a purpose, prophets and, and, and kings, but not upon every, every person in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, we can all become the temple of, of the Holy Spirit, and we can all have communion with the Holy Spirit. So Ezekiel here makes that point that the hand of the Lord had come upon him because it's different whenever than what we have we have today the the we are a vessel that houses the holy spirit and it says that he brought me out by the spirit of the lord now that's important because what he was seeing was in the spirit he wasn't seeing this himself in the flesh he didn't go out on a hike and say you know what i'm just going to go hiking through the mountains and the valleys today and oh look there's a valley of bones out laying down there God took him in the spirit. He was seeing it in the spirit. And so even ourselves, when we are praying, that's why prayer is so important. When we are in the spirit, when we are praying in the spirit, when, we are, when we're praying to God and we become in line with his Holy Spirit, then, then we're beginning to understand the plans and purposes. I don't, I don't know if you've ever prayed before and you, you've gotten to that place where you're, you're no longer praying just your own personal stuff, but you're praying the will of God and you can tell like you're in the spirit and things start coming out of your mouth and it's just like, where did that come from? That, that had to be a faith word because it's not like that came out of me. And so God can give you faith Words of faith, words that come out by the, by the word of the Holy Spirit. They're in the Spirit. And God can give you dreams and purposes in the Spirit where you're seeing it and you're like, man, that's big. Man, I don't know that I can do that. You know, sometimes God can give you something where you're looking at it going, Man, what's wrong, with, what's wrong with this today? What's wrong with our schools today? What's wrong with this generation? What's wrong with this? What's wrong with that? You know, what's wrong with the, the, the institutions, the government, the this and that? And, and all you're doing is looking at the negativity, but God can look at that and say, I want to use you. Because you see what's wrong with it. You know what needs to happen, and you know how to correct it. That's why I say sometimes that if you see something, oh, you're the person for the job. Why wasn't I greeted when I came in? You're the person for the job. Why isn't that ceiling tile up? You're the person for the job because you saw it and it's bugging you. And so it's, it's, that's the thing for you to do. Begin to call himself Abraham. He had to begin to speak out. Sarai had to begin to call herself Abraham. Sarah. And God tells them, it's like he had to move them into a place of speaking. He believed it. Abraham believed it. But you can see in places, God, how do I know this is going to happen? Well, God, are you just going to give everything to my, to my servant? And then they tried to make it th- happen with Ishmael. 
So it's not that Abraham didn't believe, but he hadn't yet been speaking those things that were not, those things that he couldn't see yet as though they were. So then when God said, you, you need to change your name, I'm changing your name to Abraham. Abraham means father of many nations. Sarai is no longer Sarai. She's called Sarah, which meant princess. Because actually the Sarai meant leader. It was the male uh, word. It was like a universal word, what we would say leader or chief. But God changed it to the female version of it, which would be princess, which is a female ruler. So God told them, change your names. Begin to speak out. Begin to speak out. As they did, they were calling those things that were not as though they were. They were seeing their situation, but they were refusing to speak that. They were speaking, I'm the father of many nations. I'm the father of many nations. I'm the father of many nations. And within a year, they had a child. I think that's the hardest thing for us at times to speak out the thing that we're not yet seeing. But it's the very thing that God calls us to do. To walk by faith and not by sight, not by our senses, not by what we see, not by what we feel. God calls us to call out the things that he's showing us by the spirit, by his word. Flip over to 1 Corinthians. Chapter 1. Verse 27, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things. Now get this, and the things that are not to nullify or cancel out the things that are. The things that are not to nullify the things that are. What does that mean? He chose the things that are not, the things that you can't see yet, to cancel out the things that you can see. The things that you're to see in your, in your mind's eye, in the spirit, those are the things that you're to speak out to cancel out the things that you now see. That word of lack that keeps, that keeps talking to you in your ear. That word that says you're never enough. That word that says that you can't be a leader. The word that says that you'll not have influence. The word that says that you'll never do enough. The word that says that you can't have that job, that house. He says to speak out the things, that the promises of God. To cancel out the things that you now see, the voice that you now hear. You speak it out to cancel it out. The things that are not, you bring into existence and you speak to the, th that's why Jesus said, speak to the mountain. 
If you speak to the mountain, he said, the mountain will be removed. If you will believe in your heart, you shall have the things that you say. That's why he said to speak. He didn't say think. He didn't say, well, just think that it's going to be removed. He said, speak it. Speak it. Why? Because God spoke the worlds into existence. He framed the world with his words. You will frame your world with your words. What world do you want to have? Let me read this, this one last scripture. Stay in 1 Corinthians. Go to chapter 2, verse 9. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by how? By his spirit. He reveals it to us by his spirit. So those things that he reveals to us by his spirit. Are you getting this this morning? By his spirit. Don't over mysticize this. He shows us things by his spirit. Those things. It says we can't think it up. We can't even fathom it. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. The things that he has planned for those who love him. We can't even perceive it. But, but, he shows it to us by his spirit. Why? Because you're born again and you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And so his spirit leads you into all good things. He leads you into the path of righteousness. He leads you into God's will. He shows you the will of God for your life. He shows you. That's why we have to dig in and, and ask God. That's why we have to go back to the maker. That's why we have to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. It can't just be a carnal thing. We can't just reason ourselves into places. We have to be led by the Spirit and let the Holy Spirit do his work and let God lead you into that place. It says, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except for the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us freely given us so that we may understand what God has freely given us this is what we speak not in words taught us by human wisdom but in words taught by the spirit expressing spiritual truths with spiritual words that's why it says in verse 16 that for who is known the mind of Christ that he may instruct him but we have the mind of Christ we have the mind of Christ. He desires to show us by his Holy Spirit. He wants to show you his will. He wants to give you his will. But we have to receive it and then speak it, not just sit down and wait. Well, God, I'm waiting on you to do it. We have to become an active participant to the things of God. It takes you. It takes your mouth. It takes your effort. You have to align yourself up with the things of God and then walk it out. I'm speaking it out. I'm walking it out. I'm doing what he's telling me to do.
But that feels awkward. It feels awkward to say that I'm healed when, when I'm showing manifestations. It, it feels awkward to say that, that I'm going to have this or I'm going to have that. Or it's, it's awkward to say that I'm, I'm promoted, that I'm the head, not the tail. It's awkward to say. He calls you to say those things that are not as though they were. I heard a, a pastor, an older preacher, make this comment. He, he gave this example, and I thought it was interesting. He said, if we lived by that, if we lived by the idea that we only speak what we see, which many people do, but get this, if you have a dog and you, and you are like, okay, I'm going to go out and give my dog dog food, I'm going to go outside, and I'm going to feed the dog. But you go outside and you feed the dog, or you come out and you, you look around and there is no dog. He went and he ran off, whatever, he's up in the woods. And you're like, well, I can't feed the dog because there's no dog. And you're only saying what you see. Well, there's just no dog. I can't feed the dog because there's no dog. But there's a cat because I see the cat. And the cat's rubbing up against my legs. So I'm going to say, oh, there's a cat. But I really came out to feed the dog. I have dog food. And I sit down in my chair and go, there's no dog. I guess I'm just not going to feed the dog because there's no dog. But there's a cat. So I can say, I can call the cat because the cat's here. Hi, kitty. Hey, kitty. Kitty, kitty. And then the neighbor's cat comes over because she hears kitty, kitty, kitty. And then the other neighbor's cat comes over. And then you've got a yard full of cats, but you don't have any dogs. But you have dog food for the dog. But you're only calling those things that you see. And you're not calling the dog because you don't see the dog. And the neighbor says, why didn't, well, didn't you try to call the dog? Well, no, because I don't see the dog. And I only believe in calling things that, that are. Well, do you think that maybe if you called the dog that the dog would come? Well, no, I, I only call things that are. Well, maybe if you called the things that are not, then the dog would come. So you holler for the dog, and then the dog comes. See, a lot of people don't want to holler for the dog. They just want to talk to the cat. And the cat's not really what they want. They want the dog. But they just want to keep talking about the cat. Let's turn this into real life. Well... I'd like to have that promotion. I'd like to have that house. I'd like to have that job. I'd like to have this healing. But all I can see right now are my symptoms, and all I can see right now is my lack. So I'm just going to talk about my lack. I'm just always going to lack. I'm never going to get ahead. I'm just always going to be in this situation. I'm never going to have that job. I'm never going to move ahead because I don't have this and I don't have that. That person's always going to be mad at me, and they're always going to have a problem with me because we had this fight, and therefore they're never going to apologize, and I'm never going to apologize to them. And on and on and on and on it goes. And you spend 25 years declaring the things that you see. Instead of calling the things that are not into your life. So really what you're doing is you're just calling the cat instead of calling the dog. Are you following? So to change your situation, you've got to call the things that are not. 
as though they were. Minister, can you go ahead and come to the keyboard? You know, God calls us to be people that change what is temporary. The things of this world are temporal. God calls it temporal. That means temporary. The things of this world are temporary. He calls us to change them. He calls us to bring his word into manifestation, to bring his vision into manifestation. In order to do that, we have to realize that the things that are temporal are not permanent. They change. They have the ability to change. So you've got to see your situation as having the ability to change. So you see it and you realize spiritually that thing's temporal. It can change. And it will change. Because I'm going to bring God's word into it. And I'm going to speak to the temporary thing and cause it to change. Like a thermostat. If I look at the thermostat and say, well, it's, I, in fact, I came in this morning and I'm like, man, it's hot in here. <clears throat> Jesse had just turned, turned down the, the thermostat so that it would be cooler. But what if I came in and said, it's 80 degrees in here. Well, it's just 80 degrees. Well, we might as well set the thermostat on 80 because that's what it is. It's 80. So it's never going to change. We're just going to make it 80 because that's what it is. God calls you to change the atmosphere. That thermometer has nothing to do with whether or not it changes unless you apply something to it. Unless you press upon it to do that. And then it sends the message that they're demanding this. They're demanding that the temperature gets cooler. That's what you're to do in the spirit. To demand the things of the spirit into the natural. Go ahead and stand to your feet.